0: There are quite a few Americans living here in the Czech Republic and in the city of Prague, though pinning down the exact number is difficult, especially since the pandemic started and a lot of people jumped ship. But Americans live all over the place, and while they may no longer participate in the United States on a day-to-day basis, they still have a toe-in and they're still interested in helping shape that future. One way they can do that is by voting. How do you do that? How do you vote when you're abroad? Is it complicated, especially considering the difficulties in the last election with all the talk of mail-in votes and so on and so forth? This is a topic that now a lot of people are starting to pay quite a bit of attention to. To talk about it from the Democrat side of things and with a specific Prague focus, I'm here today with Julia Bryan, Global Chair of Democrats Abroad. Hello, Ms. Bryan.
1: Hi there, how are you doing?
0: Excellent, excellent. How are you?
1: Doing well on this gray Prague day.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Another gray day. Exactly. I'd like to thank uh, Ms. Bryan for talking to me today, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening. (laughs) A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location... It's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. So, Julia, Democrats abroad, tell me a little bit about that. I know it started back under, was it Johnson? In
1: 1964, exactly. Well, Democrats Abroad is a state party under the Democratic Party, just like Iowa is a state party, South Carolina has a state party, Georgia has a state party. Every single state, plus the territories and D.C. and Democrats Abroad are state parties within the Democratic National Committee. Uh We represent the 9 million Americans who live outside the country, and the majority of them are actually Democrats. It's a state party. We are actually able to send delegates to the national convention every four years. And wow. we have uh, DNC members who are part of the whole DNC committee who go to the United States twice a year and who uh, work really closely with all the other state parties. That's
0: kind of crazy. So it's like uh, an extra state, a stateless state.
1: <laughs> exactly. And we even run primary. Every four years during the presidential elections, we'll run primaries for um, our presidential candidates. Last year we had, I can't remember, like 13 people on the ballot. Here in Prague, we met at the Globe. Um, We had two (laughs) voting uh, centers at the Globe, but we do this all around the world. That's a really uh, major part of what we do is getting out the vote and, you know, having everyone abroad vote on their primary candidate.
0: Sure. Uh, In this last election in 2020, the presidential election, I was surprised and very pleased with how thorough Democrats Abroad was at making sure that like, hey, this is how it works. This is what you need to do and so on and so forth. And it really just made the process really very easy from my perspective, from a user perspective.
1: I'm so glad to hear that. That's our mission is to help get out the vote because we know it's kind of hard to vote from abroad. So the first thing we need to do is make sure people know they can vote and that Mm -hmm. they know how to vote and that they know their vote counts. There are three fundamental messages that we're always trying to get through to um, Americans abroad that they actually can vote. How
0: much interest do you think there is? Because obviously, people have left. They've left the United States, many of the Americans I know, like myself, with no real intention of ever returning except to visit. I think a lot of them that I know personally are disconnected. They're not interested in participating. What would you say to them? Why should they care? They don't live there anymore.
1: Well, they should care because America affects everyone. It's not just about one country over there across the ocean. What happens in the United States has an impact all around the world. We have the opportunity to vote. We should take it. People all around the world would like to be part of our elections. Seriously, everyone feels what who is elected president in the United States is going to be, make an impact on my life here in Prague. It's here in the Netherlands, You know, here in Singapore. Everyone feels that impact in that wave. And so it's, I think it's really important that we accept our responsibility and our right and cast our ballots every time we can. Right.
0: What do you think about countries like Australia, for example? In Australia, it is mandatory to vote. You're required to vote. It's it's the law. You get in trouble. Do you think something like that is a good idea, not a good idea?
1: I think making it easier to vote, making it mandatory that's i think that's really a great way to make sure to ensure you have democracy because majority rule is the one of the basic tenets of democracy and if you are only having a certain percentage of people voting like 30% of your population voting that's not majority rule So whatever you can do to make sure that you do have majority rule in a fair way that's accessible to everybody, I think that's what one needs to do.
0: Because here's the thing, right? If just because I decide, oh, I don't want to vote, I don't care, it doesn't matter, nothing matters, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do regardless. But nonetheless, it will affect me on the ground, regardless of whether I live in the U.S. or not.
1: Not only that, but your vote can make a real impact There's so many elections that are decided by just a handful of votes. You know, the American Mm. vote abroad won Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Really? Yes, we won those states for Biden. And in a recent, I know, in a recent uh, legislative election in Georgia, uh, this really horrible voter suppression bill passed by one vote. So everybody's vote Mm -hmm. counts. We should Mm -hmm. not dismiss the impact of our vote. We often think, oh, I'm one in millions. But uh, our margins are decided by really narrow numbers in the United States. I think in, in total, even though Biden won by millions, it was actually for about 44,000 votes that were the deciding factor in flipping his, his own elections.
0: Right, because of the the electoral system. For those of you out there that don't know or understand the American uh, electoral system, uh, you're in good company because nobody really understands the American electoral system. And uh, it's, a, it's a headache and it's crazy. What's your opinion on the electoral college? Should we have it? Should we not have it?
1: I think the electoral college should be abolished And uh, we push for national popular vote in Democrats abroad. That is where the total number of votes would actually elect the president. Surprise, surprise. Right now, the electoral college system is just, is archaic and uh, it's a holdover from the 1800s.
0: There's a an agreement that some states have made that if they can get enough other states in on it, then it'll automatically be put in force. And the agreement is, is that once we get enough people with more than, what is it, 270 uh, electoral votes.
1: Yeah, it's the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact.
0: That's the one, that's it. So we're still, it's still not quite enough, but if enough states jump on board, then that will kick in automatically. And that will essentially abolish the Electoral College without having to go through the process of amending the Constitution.
1: Yep. And right now we are at 196 electoral votes to have this adopted. We only need to 270. So we're on our way. But so far, it's been adopted by 15 states plus uh, D.C.
0: Who finally got the vote.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, and, you know, of course, what we're working with uh, for right now is to help D.C. become a state.
0: Really, that's interesting. Because I know uh, there's there's been a lot of talk about oh, Puerto Rico should be a state, and yet they continually put it up to a vote in Puerto Rico, and the citizens go, no, no, we don't really want to be a state. We like the role we have.
1: Well, that's different in DC. In DC, they're really pushing to become a state. You know, they have I think seven hundred thousand voters, and you know, it's a much larger population than um, some of the other states.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking Wyoming.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. North Dakota, South Dakota.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Uh, I've been working in getting out the vote in Prague since about 2004 when mm. I w- was helping people at Bohemia Bagel actually um, register to vote. And we would sit there with our computers and laptops helping people as they came in the door. So that was in 2004. 2008, we were trying to form a committee here. And so I got involved with a bunch of people here who were interested in doing this and getting involved with the global organization. And uh, we were working on elections for 2008 and the 2012 rolled around. And I was the vice chair. And I suddenly became the chair right in August of 2012. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a great opportunity. We've got to do something to really get out the vote. So I applied all of my tech skills and my marketing skills to reaching as many people as possible. And we just knocked it out of the park that that, uh, election. And after that, I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was so fun. If I can help get out the vote in the Czech Republic, I can do this globally. So I got involved in the global organization in 2013. And I w- I've been working ever since. My aim was, just, you know, I, I saw this, there was this huge deficit in voters. I knew we had 9 million Americans abroad, but they were not mm-hmm. voting. And so ever since then, that's been my aim is to grow the overseas vote. And uh, we did it this year, despite the pandemic. You know, we had so many challenges, including mm-hmm. not being able to send our ballots back by post um, and all the other different challenges that were on the horizon. But we were able to send three times the numbers that we usually send to our voter tool. And we were probably able to, raise the, to increase the overseas vote by 45 to 50 percent over wow. 2016. It made the difference because, you know, in 2016, we looked at those states that, uh, where we lost. We lost in Wisconsin. We lost in Michigan. We lost in Pennsylvania and Ohio, et cetera. And we were like, we can cover those margins. And this year we did. So we Mm -hmm. covered the margins in Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia even. So um, we knew that we had to be adding our votes to that great voter pool that was kind of increasing across the United States to make that happen.
0: So you started off here in Prague and then jumped from there to the global organization. How'd you become global chair?
1: Well, if you put the time in, I'm just kidding. So uh, (laughs) I I started out as global secretary and Mm -hmm. uh, that was a two-year term. And then, you know, by that point, I had uh, basically put together a lot of the technical... Solutions to help make our organization a little bit more professionalized and more global. And mm. you know, we we're a really digital organization. Frankly, we have people in sure. 197 countries, 53 country committees. So we have to use digital. We can't just go and meet people for coffee um, to get things done. So we had done a lot to bring in a more digitized phone banking and websites and everything. Mm. And I ran on that platform of making sure everyone. You know, we were lifting all of our country committees and being as strategic as possible and getting out the vote. And that's how I became global chair. And I, wow. I've been a global chair for two terms. I'm wrapping up my second term. It's a, You can only run for two terms. So um, I'll be finishing my role in May.
0: Oh, wow. So unlike Congress, there's a term limit here.
1: There, yes. We are the only state party with the term limit for chairs, but it's good. It helps get new people in and make sure that new ideas are coming into the party.
0: Do you think that uh, when you were elected to global chair for the for the whole organization, did it kind of help raise the Czech Republic's profile at all?
1: I, I've always used the Czech Republic as our testing ground for, for um, getting out the vote. We mm. usually have the highest engagement rate of all countries around the world. This year, really? uh, our membership, we had 85% of our members engaged in voting, which is the highest around the world. So uh, people definitely know where we are. They always want us to hold our meetings here. So Far, I've not said yes, but that's a lot of work
0: because they're like, I, I heard it's pretty and the beer is really good. Everyone
1: Jeez. says that exactly. They're like, Julia, when are you going to hold the meeting here? I'm like, oh my gosh,
0: oh, sorry, there's a pandemic, so I guess not this year, hmm.
1: exactly. Exactly. No, we're all online this year, <laughs> it'll be at 3.30 in the morning, our time. You know, we're that's in 24- 24, it is commitment, it's commitment, but we're in 24 uh, time zones, so we have to um, we rotate the time zones when we hold sure. our meetings.
0: That's fair, that's fair. People in the Pacific Islands are like, ugh, always. Get screwed.
1: oh they do, but that's why we're having it at 3 30 in the morning because this is good for them. Oh, otherwise, you're right. It's Australia and New Zealand. And my goodness, the time zones are tough. That's poor people.
0: So, what brought you to Prague in the first place? You, I mean, you didn't come here as a, you know, political animal. You came here, what, in 1999? Why? How?
1: Well, like, you know, I came like a lot of people, we came for one year just to experience it. I was right. working at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill as a writer, editor, online um, designer, etc. And I wanted to come over and uh, just take a year off work here and see what, what Europe was like. So I came over and I was working at a, a little startup company. And in a few months, I became the managing director. And then I was like, well, let's stay for one more year. And then right after one or two, years I'd taken over the company and I had my own company. It was a software company that we've been running ever since.
0: (laughs) Uh, What made you choose Prague?
1: I got a job here. My my huh? twin sister, I know this is really, it's kind of funny. My twin sister was uh, working in Switzerland and a couple of people who were forming a new company said, oh, would you want to come and work with us in Prague? And she's like, no, but my twin sister might be able, interested in that. So I talked to them on the phone and interviewed on the spot and Ellen said she liked them. So I was like, okay, we'll we'll risk it. Sounds like a, <laughs> a great idea for for a year. That's you know, a great place to live. I think you know, it's a wonderful place to raise a family. It's a great location if you like to not have a car and you want to live in the middle of a city mm. and there's so many parks it's a wonderful city truly
0: you know a lot of the complaints about oh the checks are this or the checks are that and there's some truth to some of those complaints but i will say that the i don't know if i want to call them problems but the the issues or the major differences uh, say between uh, myself a california northern californian and checks are really not all that Big, really. When you think about it, they're they're pretty mild. The Czechs, they're not extreme in any way. Yeah, they're a little xenophobic, and yeah, things are a little uh, shall we call them traditional when it comes to gender roles. And yet, not really that much. It's a pretty mild, middle of the road kind of a place.
1: I think if you, it depends also on who you're you're meeting and hanging out with. I know a lot of really liberal Czechs who are not they're not racist and they're not conservative when it comes to to gender either. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy checks. You know, they're very straight spoken. You know, they're not going to tell you that the day is beautiful when it's not.
0: <laughs> no, they're and not. I,
1: I like that about them. You know, it's like <laughs> they're not going to tell you, oh, yeah, my, I'm great this morning when they're not really feeling great. It's it, That was a great yeah. lesson when I first moved here. And I would ask every day, I'd ask my developers, how are you this morning? And they would tell me the honest truth.
0: Yeah, I always love that. How are you? Well, you know, I've been thinking about the futility of uh, existence uh, lately. And uh, last oh, night I was reading Kierkegaard and... I wept for three hours.
1: It's so true. I find that very refreshing. And I think, you know, my business partner is Czech. And he always says he's become half American. And I always feel like I've become half Czech because we've definitely uh, become closer to each other's countries.
0: Right. So you're you're Americans.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. My, my husband is American. But when you work in the same company for 22 years with the same people, you definitely become more assimilated.
0: That always shows whenever I go back to the US for a visit, I'm always just like, I don't feel like I feel like a fish out of water. Uh, suddenly the way that I'm used to doing things now is not the way it's done there, like I was on an escalator, I think it was in Atlanta, and this woman on the step in front of me kept looking back and looking back and looking back. I thought, what is her problem? And then I realized, because I'm standing on the step right after her, which is normal here, but you would never do that in the US.
1: Yeah, more space. We have to remember yeah. they're used to uh, wide open planes. I always used to tell people, uh, um, all right, when you go to the United States, people are gonna speak really loudly. They're, re- they're used to the wide open planes. I'm not kidding. You'll, you'll, it'll be a little astonishing for you. And everyone would come back and you're like, you're right, Julia. <laughs> well, it's a difference between an urban culture and a suburban and cu- country culture, really. And urban yes. cult- cultures are used to sitting in cafes and talking quietly, so the world doesn't know what you're saying.
0: Right. Whereas in America, I want the world to hear me.
1: Exactly. It's a competition.
0: <laughs> Tell me about this blog that you used to have, Kolo Kolo Mlinski?
1: Oh, yeah. So my I ran a blog long, long time ago when my children were young called Kolo Kolo Mlinski. And um, what I really wanted to do is just write about life in Prague as a young mother with young children, mm. just as if I, it was normal. Because, you know, so many times when I would read blogs, it would be like, oh, my goodness, isn't this weird? Or, oh, I'm a fish out of water. Or, oh, you know, it's like a travel blog constantly. And I, I didn't All want right. that. I wanted a blog that really dug into life and just – it out and examined it, and looked at it, and made it feel like something uh, real and something that, that people could relate to. So mm. that was that was my blog, and it was also very image oriented because I like taking photographs, mm-hmm. and I always tried to just like make sure that I was capturing these like these different moments in life that were really particular to to this place and time. It was it was pretty <laughs> popular for a while. You know, there was a great group of bloggers in Prague for a while. Mm. Grandpa Podelko, Stuart Moore. We yeah. all used to talk about each other's blogs, and then we never would we would see each other at Halloween. That was It's the only time we ever would run into each other. And it was, oh, hey. And yeah. when you're reading someone's blog and you know them so well from a virtual point of view and then you see them in real life, it's kind of funny.
0: okay so uh, I'm an American I moved to Prague or wherever I am a Democrat so I get involved with your organization Democrats abroad what can I expect to happen
1: if you're in Prague and you want to get involved actively we have uh, meetings when we can actually meet together we go we meet in beer garden sometimes we have uh, events about taxes we have events that are you know something that we need to talk about about policies for example and we'll run those events regularly. But um, the main thing that we want you to do is vote. And you're going to have the opportunity to vote every two years back home. So we will be sending out information ahead of the elections reminding you to get your uh, ballot request in because every American abroad has to request their ballot every calendar year they'd like to vote. So if you are voting in North Carolina, for example, um, and you want to vote in November, you can go ahead on January 1st and send in your ballot request. And come September, North Carolina is going to send you your ballot, and you can send it right back. Right. Now, some states like California are a bit different. You guys get your ballots for several years in a row, as long as you keep on voting. The rest of the states are not like that. They're going to be mm-hmm. they're they're going to be tough on that, and um, especially in uh, states in the South and. Um, the Midwest—they require you to send in that ballot request because Ohio is infamous for purging their voter rolls. We're we're always going Ohio voters, make sure you get your ballot request in, or you might be not on the voter rolls. And uh, I can't tell you how many times that has happened where someone's like, "But I I registered last year." No, I'm sorry, you have to do it this year too. That state <laughs> just loves to get rid of voters.
0: That's that's the focus. Please vote.
1: Yeah. Well, and also uh, the first thing we actually did two rounds of calls so we we would get in touch with people ahead of time and say remember to request your ballot. And then we also uh, were able to raise enough money so that we could call people and say, please remember to send your ballot in. If you're having issues, here's where you <laughs> yeah. go for more help.
0: And if somebody wants to uh, wants to be of assistance more than just voting, but wants to help uh, get the vote out, they just go to the website.
1: Democratsbroad.org slash volunteer. And oh, uh, well, every go. country committee needs help as well. Democrats Broad, Czech Republic is about to hold an election. We'll have uh, nominations from the floor for some of the positions, or for any position, in fact. So um, If anyone's interested, just go to democratsabroad.org slash CZ, CZ, and you can find out more about the upcoming elections.
0: Right. And uh, listeners should know that uh, also check the episode notes for links to Democrats Abroad, as well as a number of other organizations, including, because we do want to be fair, uh, Republicans Overseas, because obviously Democrats Abroad is for people who are registered Democrat. But if you're a Republican, there is also an international organization for you. Uh, and there will also be links uh, for how to vote from abroad if you are a British citizen, Canadian, Australian, or from New Zealand.
1: That's very cool. And this year is very interesting because we're doing a lot of legislative work. I'm working in um, w- in the Senate right now with Senator Tim Kaine on an amendment to the For the People Act, which is a voter protection act that's being dealt with in the in the Senate right now. We are adding some extra language for Americans overseas.
0: Ah. So d- do you think that that's is going to... Uh... You might just stay in politics when all
1: this is done? I will definitely miss it. I really enjoy it. I know a lot about voting, but at the moment, I, I don't have an opportunity in uh, moving forward. So I think I'll just, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. There's
0: time. Maybe. Do you think you'll stay here in Prague?
1: Absolutely. Prague's our home. Our children are going to Czech schools. My husband works here and we are very embedded in the country. I will be helping at the local level. In fact, I'm running for Democrats, Czech Republic uh, chair. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a lot we can do locally. And I want to make sure that we can really engage as many people as possible. We did have 85% engagement last year, but we have to keep that up. So we are also doing work at the state level in legislation. This mm. afternoon, I have a call with a representative in Texas to talk about adding an amendment to a bill he's working on. And we are working to make sure um, voter legislation at the state level is either uh, mitigated, the evilness, because there's a lot of evil bills out there, or we, that we can add amendments to good bills that are in the um, on the docket. That's something really interesting. And we have state groups that are um, springing up for New York, New Jersey, Arizona, and Texas. And if anyone's interested in getting in touch with me, we would love to start other state Groups as well. Again, there's mm-hmm. a lot of voter legislation that's um, on the, in the state legislation this year, and now is the time to be actively involved with that type of work.
0: Right. So this uh, this is the thing is we need we do need to protect the rights that we already have, make sure they don't get eroded.
1: Exactly. There's some really nasty bills in Georgia, for example. There's a, a bill that says you can be fined if you bring someone food or water if they've been standing in line for hours in uh, at a Georgia voting poll.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it. That sounds like you know, back in the days of Jim Crow kind of stuff. It
1: is. It's Jim Crow-era work. That type of uh, voter suppression is just horrible. It's something... That's why we have to keep on working on this. Um, And we we have to just keep pushing back because that type of voter legislation is designed to keep people from voting, clearly. right?
0: How did it work before the internet? I mean, in the 60s and 70s and 80s. How how did all of this work? Was it just mail and phones?
1: Well, at, at a certain point people could vote at their embassies. Um, ah. but the, I know, but that, that was a long time ago and it's definitely not possible now. So anyone listening, please don't take your ballot to the embassy uh, and, or go there and expect to pick up one. You can, you can very often drop your ballot off in an envelope at an embassy, but you have to check it well, well ahead of time and uh, they have to send it back through their diplomatic pouch, pouch which is a slow process. Right. The problem with uh, the diplomatic pouch is the slowness of the delivery. But uh, it does get an embassy, a counselor stamp, so that they know it's coming from abroad.
0: Ah. Yep.
1: Yeah, so that's the important part. It needs to have that counselor st- stamp that shows that your ballot's coming from abroad. Uh, it then comes into Dulles Airport. That's where all the diplomatic pouch materials come into, and then um, goes into the U.S. Uh, postal system mail stream to be delivered. <laughs>
0: You know, uh, to Czechs I talked to about this, they're just kind of astonished at the um, variety and lack of cohesiveness in the American system and how each state is completely different than the others. And even sometimes within a state, uh, if that state gives more power to the counties, even the counties are different from county to county. And it seems madness to them. Is there any, I mean, there must still be work being done on, is there a way for us to standardize all of this stuff so that there's a way to do things.
1: That's a really good question. You know there are over 8,000 local election offices in the United States. So it is for f- incredibly for 50 states yeah, exactly. Eight thousand. I think about a thousand of them, or maybe seven thousand of them, are in Wisconsin. But I'm just, I'm just kind of kidding. There's some of the states have really, literally, hundreds and hundreds of local election offices. It can be really fragmented, indeed. And a lot of times, they won't. One county won't know what the other county is doing. Um, and uh, getting information about overseas voting to these local election officials is a major part of what we do. In fact, mm-hmm. we are starting a committee within Democrats Abroad that's just going to be focused on educating local election officials about the overseas vote. But your question is about, so how, how can we more standardize this? Well, that's one of the things that the For the People Act does, is it, uh, it has a bunch of directives about saying things like, okay, you have to make it possible to vote. Um, there, there's a wonderful, um, there's so many different aspects of that bill, which will make it a little bit more standardized while still working within the, you know, the federal system. You know That's the thing is states have a lot of power and you can't take it all away from them, but um, take all of the decision making away from them. But it, this does protect people and make sure that they will have to themselves align to this uh, federal bill.
0: Right, right. And just so people know, this is, uh, you may have seen news reports recently about it. It's, it's H.R. 1. That's uh, right. So, so
1: H.R. 1 passed the House and is now about to be introduced in the Senate. It should be introduced mm-hmm. anytime now. And uh, it, it will be then going into amendments, processing and um, and then we'll see what we can do about voting for it. Right now, the filibuster is getting in the way, as you probably know.
0: What a shock.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And for anyone who's wondering, what is this filibuster thing? The filibuster is a, a strange rule that's in part of the Senate rules that says that you can stop voting on a bill and continue debate until you have 60 senators who are willing to stop the debate and say, let's vote on it. And because right. of some of the amendments in this rule, uh, you can you can do this eternally. You can do other business um, in the Senate. You can talk about about other bills that are less controversial, um, and you do not have to address the bill that you don't like. This has become a big blow in anything getting done in the Senate. It's created, this is one of the reasons why we don't have uh, such bipartisan you know, workings in the Senate as well, because there's no need to be bipartisan and work across the aisle.
0: Right. We'll just shut you down. I mean, there have been the, the rather absurd but famous true cases of like senators just like, and now I'm going to read great expectations aloud.
1: That's, see now that was when you actually had to debate in order to keep uh. the filibuster going now you don't have to do that at all now you can just say mm, we call it, we're, we're doing a filibuster and then walk out of the room and go take a nap so <laughs> there's no need to there's no talking filibuster that's what it's being ta- talked oh, about
0: oh really yes.
1: mm-hmm. that's why it's so easy to filibuster so what what's being discussed now is to bring back the talking filibuster which would require all business to stop and debate to occur I mean it, it would be it's a great idea to bring the talking filibuster back because people need to be able to eventually vote on a bill, um, despite its controversy,
0: right? Because of course, you know this. If anybody's ever seen the film "Mr. Smith Goes to Washington," that's this. He just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. Now, here's the question: Why would you want to keep talking about it? What's what good is done by this?
1: It gives your team time to bring more information to the table, mm.
0: and it also doesn't it also run out deadlines.
1: Yes, it can also do that too, but it's often used to, to uh, so that your team can assemble more information, more witnesses and, mm. uh, um, be more persuasive right now. The current filibuster just is a way of uh, tabling something.
0: So that's it. So all I got to do, I'm a Senator and I don't, I, I don't want this bill to even be discussed and I don't want to vote it voted on. So I just say filibuster and that's it.
1: That's right. And, and until 60 people, 60 senators agree to vote on it and to, um, in debate it, nothing happens to that bill. The only, that's, obs- that's crazy. Uh, it is crazy. And that's why the Senate has uh, had such a hard time getting anything passed and anything done for, for years and years. You you notice that um, budgetary bills are different. They cannot be filibustered. Ah,
0: because mm-hmm. money, baby.
1: Yeah, well, because they figured they can't shut down the federal government over and over and over again. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they agreed on that.
0: Right. And, and again, uh, people listening, uh, the text of HR1, uh, there will be a link to it in the episode notes. So check there for the, the actual text that has been very helpfully hyperlinked. So that's nice.
1: And there's a whole section, subsection J, that's about overseas voters, in case anybody wants to check it out. So our job is twofold. We have two 2 part mission. One is to get out the vote. And that's what we do every election year. And the other is to really focus on uh, making sure our voices are magnified back in the United States. That through legislation work. We do that through in court cases. We do that by talking to senators and all sorts of different people about our issues to make sure they are really loudly heard.
0: So there you go. They're they're on your side.
1: We are indeed, and we are your side because we
0: are a, a grassroots organization. We are you. So collectively, we nine million plus Americans living abroad actually are a state.
1: Yes, we are a state in the in the Democratic Party. Indeed, we're that's about the twelfth largest state. Really, mm-hmm. right? I think we're right behind Virginia.
0: That's that's kind of crazy. And again, it's all facilitated uh, nowadays by uh, the internet and uh, digital media and uh, methodology and uh, obviously that's that's the times we're living in. It's just going to increase more and more and more. So uh, in theory, things will get even easier in the future.
1: I think so too. And I mean, that was one of the funny things about last year. All the state parties were having to go to digital. So we were running around giving digital workshops on how to organize and how to get out the vote via the internet. You know, This is so new to them. They're used to door knocking. We've never been able to door knock. So like, yeah, let, we'll tell you how we do this, you know, webinars and um, online uh, help desks, et cetera. That was all something we were really used to already. It was something that we were finally able to, you know, show to our fellow parties. It's a, it's really fun work to do, and you know we're all an all volunteer organization. That's the other thing I have to say. No staff, no office. We're just all people who are really interested in and in just passionate about getting out the vote.
0: So remember, folks, just because you don't live there doesn't mean that your vote doesn't count and doesn't matter. Uh, it may matter more and more as we see the times becoming more polarized uh, and the margins for victory in American elections of all types, not just the presidential election, but even down on the small local levels, the margins are getting um, smaller and smaller, and more and more things are passing by an increasingly small number of votes. So a vote does count. It really does. Thank you very much for talking to me today, Julia. Uh, Super interesting stuff, and and, uh, dare I say, important stuff.
1: Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. And thank you everybody out there for listening. And don't forget to vote. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times.